inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the show today, AFA at the Core. I'm your host, as always, Walker Wildman on the American Family Radio Network. The show here airs each weekday on AFR from 1 to 2 p.m. Central on the network. You can check out our website, AFR.net, and actually, I would encourage you to do so. Visit our website, AFR.net. The AFA at the Core podcast shows up right there on the homepage every single day. We get it up and posted uh, within the hour after the show. So if you miss part of the show, maybe you miss part of an interview and you want to listen to the entire podcast for AFA at the Core, our website is a great way to do that. Right there at the homepage, you'll see the AFA at the Core latest podcast, the same case with the app. Exact same case with the AFR app. You'll see the AFA at the Core podcast right there on the homepage of the American Family Radio app. It's free. It's easy. It takes you just about two or three minutes to download from your app store on your mobile device or your tablet. Our scripture for the the week is out of the book of Proverbs. We're gonna be we're gonna be hanging out in Proverbs for a couple weeks at least, and we're uh, I'm reading uh, chapter three, verse three and four. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will, then you will win favor in a good name in the sight of God and man. That's uh, verse three and four out of Proverbs chapter three. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That's out of the book of Proverbs chapter three, verse three and four. I got an encouraging letter today. We all need some encouragement. Um, and by the way, on encouragement, uh, we need to make sure uh, that each of us as believers in Jesus Christ, that we are um, involved in a local fellowship of believers um, because uh, we need to be fellowshipping with believers, fellowshipping with uh, like-minded Christians, with the church, the body of Christ, uh, so if you're not involved in a local congregation, in a local fellowship, in a local church, you need to make sure that you're doing that. That's very critical to the health of the body of Christ. This is uh, a letter I got in my office today from Livingston, Texas, from a prison in Livingston, Texas, from a fellow by the name of Curtis. And uh, he says, Dear AFA, enclosed with this letter, you should find a check in the amount of $140. I am donating this money to your ministry. Remember, this is a prisoner. I listen to your radio station every day on 88.3 KAFR. Your radio station has been a blessing to me, and I am very thankful that you have the radio station. He goes on to say that um, thank you again for your ministry and help uh, into my request. He had a few other questions in the letter, but nonetheless, that's a word of encouragement there that even in the prisons across the country, American Family Radio is having an impact. Lives are being changed. Uh, prisoners are coming to know Christ. They're being discipled via the radio. 
through our Bible teaching and our, our talk shows throughout the day here on American Family Radio. So uh, when you support AFA, when you support AFR with any gift, $5 or $500, uh, your money is going to keep this network on the air, keep the truth broadcasting across the country, across the world, and uh, changing lives quite literally across the country. So there's a little bit of encouragement for you. Jumping right into the news of the day, I came across uh, my good friend Steve Dace. I came across one of his uh, op-eds, and this was published today, well, actually yesterday, August 16. And it's extensive, so I'm not going to read it all. Nonetheless, I'm going to pull some excerpts from it that I think we could benefit from. When you're talking about what's going on in Afghanistan, which is truly a tragedy by all counts, um, and, and the most important part is that it's a human tragedy. That's what we're seeing in, in Afghanistan. Here's, here's Dace's headline. Why we failed in Afghanistan. It's about worldview, stupid. And he goes to extensively talk about how... We can't change uh, the military's role. Let me say it this way. The role of the military is not to change worldviews. The role of the U.S. military is to defend the homeland and to fight battles and wars and to win them and to kill the enemy and then leave. That's the goal, the purpose of the military and when you do that properly, you fend off any other aggression from, from the same country or other countries. They look at the U.S. and they go, I don't want to be pounded. I don't want to be bombed. I don't want Marines coming into my country, so we're not going to mess with the U.S. That should be the strategy of the military is to stoke fear in our enemies to where they don't mess with us. Uh, that's what it should be used for. Instead, we've gotten into this nation-building venture um, that's that's taken uh, the toll of thousands of U.S. military members and trillions of U.S. dollars. But uh, reading a couple pages into Steve Dace's op-ed, he says, uh, after expounding on other wars and other examples throughout human history, he says, uh, this brings us to Afghanistan, which was always doomed to fail. For years now, people like me have asked over and over again, what is the mission there? What does victory look like? We were told it was, quote, to fight the terrorists there so we don't have to fight them here. Except with our open borders and attempts to erase our heritage at the societal level and calling it college, we are fighting them here. Being in Afghanistan didn't save us from fighting Islamic terrorism here whatsoever. Since we invaded Afghanistan in 2001, there have been at least 30 attempted or successful terrorist attacks on U.S. soil, from those driven by Islamic radicalism. We thought our way of life was a plug-and-play system. We had abandoned things like God-given rights, which means we first have to acknowledge that there actually is a God. Those were the cornerstones and replaced them with democracy as a mere process, a process that we could just export, fill in the blanks with native tongue, and the natives would then take it from there. The Judeo-Christian theologies have long wrestled with the extents of free will. Meanwhile, Islam is unsure of whether free will exists at all. 
So how are we going to give freedom to a culture that is unsure if it has any free will? Unfortunately, asking such questions requires us to critically assess the advantages and disadvantages of different belief systems and customs. And that's icky according to our elites. So we passed. Therefore, we blindly continued on with what George W. Bush said at his second inauguration, the call of freedom comes to every mind and soul, when he's talking about the efforts in Afghanistan. He goes on to say several paragraphs later, rest assured we were destined to fail in Afghanistan long before Uncle Joe obtained the presidency. We had already failed years before we knew it, uh, before we knew what cackling Kamala was, because in the end, it doesn't matter how educated you are, how many credential letters appear after your last name, nor how much money and military you have acquired. If you fail to recognize the realities of human nature and this fallen world in which we live, you are doomed to fail. It's not just a matter of when. Sooner or later, when you break the laws of nature and nature's God enough, they end up breaking you. And so that's an excellent point. And that, that sums up why we are where we are. Our military leaders, our government leaders, the past several presidents have thought, have bought into the lie that we can nation build in Afghanistan and we can just easily spend enough money and spend enough uh, blood, then we can export democracy to Afghanistan and it's going to be like this mini America in the Middle East. Ignoring uh, the reality that the entire worldview of Islam is completely incompatible with democracy, with true democracy, completely incompatible. It doesn't work. The two do not go together. They directly clash, um, which is why you see uh, the type of human atrocities and the, the lack of human rights. It's absolutely appalling uh, the way the Taliban and these Islamic terrorists uh, treat innocent human life. It's absolutely stunning. But our leaders don't get it. They don't get it, or they refuse to understand it, or they what would even be more negligible is if they know what we're talking about and understand it, but they refuse to act on it. Uh, that would be 10 times worse. A couple clips we're going to play here just to show uh, that our leaders, our feckless leaders, have no understanding of human nature and sin nature, and that's why they're treating the Taliban with kid gloves, thinking that they can negotiate with these terrorists. You cannot negotiate with these animals, um, let's listen to the State Department here in clip two uh, telling the Taliban that they need to be inclusive in forming their new government. Clip two, let's listen. The UN Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive, and representative, including with the full and, full and meaningful participation of women. The council spoke with one voice to underscore that Afghanistan must abide by its international obligations, including to international humanitarian law, and ensure the safety and security of all Afghans and international citizens. He should have had his mic pulled about two seconds in there. Our State Department would have been better off just not saying anything. This is why I say that our, our country would be better off, quite literally, if Washington, D.C. would just go on an extended vacation for like three years, yeah, you leave the military in place, let the commanders do their thing, let them protect the homeland, but all the, all the politicians and the bureaucrats and the State Department spokespersons, they just need to go home because literally everything they say is wrong. 
and they keep doing it in the name of right. Uh, there you sh you see the 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 na naivety, if that's how you say it, being naive, uh, thinking that the Taliban, the terrorist, the Islamist, who wants Sharia law, and that's what they're saying now at the press conferences. They're saying we're having Sharia law. So if it doesn't fall within Sharia law, it's not going to happen. That's what they're saying now, the Taliban leaders. That we think after all of this, they're going to be inclusive? They're going to let women be in charge of the government? This is, I don't even know how to explain this. This is like a Babylon biscuit. This is absolutely astonishing. And to continue on this trend of stupidity from our leaders, uh, we're going to listen to a congresswoman, a representative Spear, saying that we just need to negotiate with the Taliban to protect, protect the international airport there in Kabul. Clip three, let's listen. We'll what see. is regrettable is the manner in which we're leaving and the fact that uh, we have something like 18,000 translators seeking to be able to be airlifted out of there. And right now, only 2,000 have been. So we have got to uh, negotiate, as I understand has been done, with the Taliban to keep that airport under our control so we can do enough airlifts to get people who have been there to help us and the women who have been negotiators, who've been running the NGOs, who've been in elective office, who want to leave, give them a means by which to get out of the country. Well, what do you know? The politicians, the Democrats, and some Republicans, they just never learn. It's got to be intentional. They cannot be this dumb. It has to be intentional. These are smart people. They're politicians. They graduated from Ivy League schools. They've got to know better. Representative Spear there says we need to negotiate with the terrorists to protect the airport. They are surrounding the airport now. There's no protecting it. Goodness gracious alive. These people, I don't even know words to explain them. EFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Police chiefs and sheriffs for police departments in America's largest cities released a study titled Report on the 2020 Protests and Civil Unrest through the Major Cities Chiefs Association Intelligence Commanders Group. The study revealed that 90% of these departments discovered protests in their jurisdictions were agitated by people who traveled there from out of state. They reported all across the country, protesters seemed to coordinate their movements and actions as if the violence and tactics were pre-planned. The chiefs also reported that many protesters were paid to agitate. The study was released in October 2020. Why isn't this national news? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Our country was founded by those with great trust in God. Leaving home for a new land full of promise, America became a place of opportunity for all. 
teaching our girls patriotism goes far beyond memorizing the pledge or waving small flags at a holiday parade. Our American history is a human history, one full of success and strife, triumphs and mistakes, tremendous love and tremendous cruelty. To love our great nation is to know its history, believe in its goodness, and pray for its future. Talk about what your daughter is learning about American history and help her identify the ways that God has moved here. Pray for our leaders and sing the words of a familiar tune, God Bless America, Land That I Love. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. In studio with me each Tuesday and Thursday for the second segment is my brother, Wesley Wildman, also a vice president here at American Family Association. Wesley, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be on. I'm looking forward to this segment. We've got a is lot this, to get to. Is this coffee for me? Oh, that's mine. Thank you bring so much. Oh, that's Thank your you. coffee. That's Sorry. Yep. Next time nice you can and, bring me some. <laughs> nice and hot. You know, just a weird fact about me. Uh, I always fill my cups of coffee halfway because I don't like cold coffee. It'll be cold, yeah, by the time so you get to it, So by the time we get to the bottom, I'm ready to go get more. My wife's an iced coffee fan, and mm. I just never understood it. I don't get it. That was um, big in New England. Yeah. Very big. Yeah, my dad drank iced coffee for I, years. Okay, For now, some, it sounds like an oxymoron. Yeah. Now, coffee. I say iced coffee, but I, I, though I mean like cold coffee, but some people yep. actually put ice in the coffee. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it's just strange. It's, yep. like, it's like tea that doesn't have sugar in it. It's not sweet tea. It's just regular yeah. tea. I don't get it. Yeah. There's some things we won't get, though, is there? No. I mean, some <laughs> things are subjective. Not on the side of heaven. <laughs> That's right. You know, there's some things we're not going to get about what we're going to talk about today. The hypocrisy on the left just continues. You know, um, before we get into what we're going to talk about and before I give a a brief overview of some of the projects I'm working on at AFA, I just got to believe that the dividing line in this country continues to become more and more stark on which side you're on and some of the peripheral things that the liberals have used to – uh, make things confusing for a lot of people and in the name of compassion and love and the language they've used. Mm. Eventually, I, I know in our lifetime, I foresee us, those things are going to become less and less uh, per, um, effective and people are going to see more and more the hard reality of what these people are wanting to do. I just yeah. believe that. I just hope that there's enough 
constitutional liberty left and enough uh, courts and enough uh, of the legal system and government left that we can actually recover or sure. return it uh, yeah, once, once they realize Yeah, it. and to your point, you know, this whole message of this administration was unity coming in. Uh, but yeah. this has been yeah. everything but unifying. We're going to do nicer tweets. Yeah, everything gonna, but unifying. We're going to answer all your questions. Oh, yeah, I've seen plenty of people playing on the statement that uh, I'll take some mean tweets right now yeah. for a different <laughs> yeah. administration. So some truth yeah. there. Hey, Wesley, yeah. um, you know, we've been talking about what's going on in Afghanistan, and many are are – are, are are screaming that this is a national security issue, America mm. is at stake, which I'm not going to dismiss that completely, but sure. uh, we've got some other issues that go- are going on in our country that need some direct uh, attention. One of those is on the southern border. We've got thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of foreigners pouring into our country illegally. That is a national security issue. Yes, and remind me at the end of this uh, segment before we go to the break, I've got some events and things I want to let our audience know about. So if you're listening, stay tuned because at the end of the break, or right before the break, at the end of this segment, I'll tell you where AFA is going to be traveling close to your hometown. So, yeah, Walker, you're right. Uh, just this back in March, I'll give you a quote from President Biden here. And he brushed off when he was asked about the illegal immigration in the name of, quote, it happens every single day, every single solitary year, end quote. Well, the problem is the they never followed up after that, right? So if you're listening and this is and you're just getting your daily scoop of news, you can you can have common ground and agree. It happens every day. Mm. The problem that they didn't follow up with and press them on is the fact of the the influx at the rate that it's that it's happening. So of course there's illegal immigration happening every day, but the rate that they're coming in right now is um as as astronomical. And of course, you know, uh, before I get into the numbers here, yeah, it happens every single day, and that's primarily because politicians have ulterior motives both on both sides, in my opinion. But here's the deal. In May, there was 180,000 arrested. In June, when the numbers historically begin to drop from May to June, it was 188,000. And in July, it did, it, it did not just go up. It went up exceedingly up to 210,000 arrests yeah. at the southern border. And, you know, we're on pace right now to have well over a million illegal immigrants come into this country, and that's going to set a record that dates all the way back to 2000 under the Democrat president, um, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Th- yeah, This we're going to hit a million before the end of the year easy. Yeah. Um, we may actually even teeter up towards two million before the end of the uh, 12-month period. Um, but but these uh, th- that what, what the president said there in March was a half-truth. Right. Yes, uh, illegal immigration does happen every day, but not to this extent. Right. Um, uh, Quite literally, when you look at the statistics, I mean, they've been tracking this for about 20 years. And since we uh, developed the Department of Homeland Security Mm -hmm. and we beefed up all of our border patrol, ironically, we're spending more to secure our borders now, and they're the least secure than they've ever been. How does that work? And it's not ironic. It's ironic enough, I guess, to say that the month after uh, Biden became in office was the highest spike in the past four years. Yeah. They and, know. Yeah, and I think they know when they get here. You know, what's so frustrating about this is our our leaders and, and and on both sides talk about this and Trump was different. Uh he actually wanted to solve the problem. Sure. But other than he other than President Trump and a few others, the rest of them talk about this as if it's inevitable. As if we will always have illegal immigration. It will. There, we will always have tens of thousands each month pouring into our country. 
and there's really nothing we can do about it except mm. for just process them, no. make sure they got a sandwich, and we get them a bus ticket into the mainland. That's really not that's not true. No, nope. uh, countries throughout the world ha- have developed systems to manage immigration. Yeah, uh, illegal immigration. Israel, for example, they have border walls. Imagine yeah. that they have fences with barbed wire, and they have. Um, now, uh, what does the wall accomplish? I'm trying to. <laughs> well, Wesley, there's things like called like putting up something to like yeah. slow people down. Okay. Uh, like a barrier, maybe, and gotcha. so it little it impedes people from. Oh, okay. Uh, from climbing it, that and makes sense. And and there's so the, when I drive around and I see some of these bigger estates with some of the. Uh, the doctors that live in there, and they have oh, a wall like Nancy Pelosi's house. Yeah, yeah, with a twenty-foot wall. Okay, uh, it's yeah, all it works. Com- it's all coming it back works to for me them, now. though. It just doesn't okay. work on the southern it's border. It's coming back to me. Um, there, there are with security guards. There are practical <laughs> ways to secure a border. Uh, that's why President Trump wanted the wall. The wall was his thing. It was pressed. He got some of it, and it actually works. You look at. Uh, I looked at a study even before President Trump got into office. This goes back to President Obama's days. I looked at a study. In uh, Israel, between the border between, I believe, Egypt and Israel, uh, Israel put up a wall there. They were having trouble with people coming into Israel illegally. They put up a wall there, a double-layered fence, like 20- or 30-foot fence, with barbed wire and security patrols and everything, and it reduced their illegal immigration number down to where they had one illegal immigrant. Literally, yeah. in, in a 12-month in a period, they had yeah. one illegal crossing <laughs> yeah, in that uh, in that like couple hundred mile range where they put the border. So it does work. Hey, listen up. Okay, so and a lot of people are going to be wondering. So then, what's the? Not a lot of people, but there's some. There's some listening. I'm what, wondering what what's the problem with illegal immigration? Think about that though. Illegal. Okay, <laughs> it's illegal. Okay. Yeah. But uh, on a serious note, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's listen to this because this is very very important. There are we have to understand that there are gang members, terrorists, drug dealers, mm-hmm. rapists, hardcore criminals who are coming in through this illegal process. And so for the those that are listening that have that corner of their heart that says what about the mom or the situation that, that anomaly that you can think about where they're coming through um and they're trying to get a better life for themselves. Listen to this. They have there, this is not. We're not just talking about impoverished people in Mexico. We have Im, we have now can confirm immigrants that are coming through the southern border that are from South Africa, that are from Asia, that are from South America. Yeah, yesterday seven hundred yep. in uh, in July seven hundred Russians. Russia. That's were right, Russians. Yeah, were arrested at our southern border, and they're border. coming through illegally. And you know what? What's so frustrating here, and just to continue to point out the hypocrisy here, is the fact that they want us to quarantine for two weeks. When we are, um, when we are, when we have COVID, when they can confirm we have COVID, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're, and they're just well, now, now it's even if you just see somebody with COVID, yeah, yeah, you need to quarantine. And and, <laughs> and now I have I have a real problem with quarantine and healthy people, right? But now I can I understand there's there's a good discussion to be made about quarantining those that are sick, you know, whether it's seven days, ten days, and that's that's a really good discussion to have. Uh, nonetheless, the point is the Biden administration wants us and CDC and all these far-left medical facilities, they want us to quarantine if we're sick. Well, um, even and if we're not sick, they want us to quarantine. Yet yeah. they have no problem. Um, those that they have tested, they have, we have immigrants, illegal immigrants that have tested positive for COVID and have been released. Yeah, they put them on the bus and send them, them on the, the mainland. Bus. So, 
Yeah. You know, you got to wonder here what's the real agenda be- behind what they're deciding to do. Well, and to your point about it being an in- an injustice to American citizens and even foreigners who do want to come into our country legally, um, folks, when you cut line, that is that immediately disqualifies you from having just cause. Yep. Um, you can't cut line and then say, but but my reasoning for cutting line is good. Listen to me. Yeah. I come from a bad background. Yeah. Uh, because many of these people that are coming in do come from very tough backgrounds. These sure. countries are impoverished countries in Central and South America. Mm-hmm. But the point is, and, and this this is this is this is what makes things so ironic is that we're living in a country now where everybody wants to be woke. We need social justice. Everything's got to be fair and equal. Well, what about the hundreds of thousands, probably millions, uh, that have signed up to be let into our country legally? They filled out the paperwork. They've paid any kind of application fees. They've they've done all they've done all the right things. You have several staff members up here that have uh, families and friends that have come over legally. Legally, Legally. yeah, yeah. But but think about all the people that that are waiting in line to get in America through the legal process, and then you've got hundreds of thousands just crossing the border illegally, and and but we, we we our hearts go out to the ones on the southern border. Wait, yep. what about the people that we don't even know about that have filled out paperwork to come in our country legally? And what about all the uh, damage that the, of the list of people that I mentioned earlier that have caused the, the rapists that come through, those that, um, that are drug dealers that get other teenagers involved in, in gangs, all the crime that comes in through the southern border, Nobody looks at or, or seems to be concerned with the with equal compassion yeah. of the destruction they're going to bring. Hey, let's look at scripture real quick about this. And the Bible, um, in a couple of different places here, we got to uh, remember that God. It was God's idea for each nation to have its borders, and this is not a not negotiable because yes. God reaffirms His design for borders in the New Testament, in Acts chapter seventeen, verse twenty six, where He said. And he made, uh, he made from one man every every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and their boundaries of his dwelling place. And one other place, on one other portion of scripture, I wanted to remember or remind us of or two, Jesus reaffirmed in the Great Commission all nations, which is translated all the ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. If you think about this, you cannot have an ethnic group without also having borders, because I'm not an American because I'm white. I'm an American because I was born in America. That's a good point. And so uh, when when the Great Commission is there and it says all nations, all ethnic groups, that's exactly what it's talking about. You can't be— And and, and to your point, nations yeah. were God's idea. Yeah, uh, we had Dr. Ray Rooney on a couple of weeks ago talking about this exact thing and how from the very beginning and all the way through to Revelation, yes. mm-hmm. God has talked about and has established nations, which means, to your point, if you got nations— you have borders. So yeah. this, this idea that borders and nations are racist and evil and bad, it's just not true. No, and it's not uncommon to find places in scriptures where they have standards for why, for how they allow people to come over. I yeah. mean, you can look in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 7, when it says, Your country is desolated. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before your eyes, laid waste and overthrown by strangers. Wow. And so that's clearly a problem that they had to address there in the book of Isaiah. So, you know, and to your point, just to go back uh, before we go to the uh, remind our audience about some of the events and locations we're getting to, we're going to that I want to let our audience know about is that to your point, you know, America has always been the, the most generous, generous country when it comes to immigration. Like you said, 
roughly over a million uh, new new legal immigrants coming to the United States every year. Yeah, and that's uh, far at seeds. And we're not by we're not even close to the largest nation. Right, and yet we lead the world in legal immigrants in America. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, Walker, we've got a couple events coming up. I want to change uh, turn our attention to. Yeah, uh, these are these are date nights. Yep, these are date nights hosted by American Family Association. They're called Marriage Family Life Date Nights. If you are familiar with our work here, you know about our annual Marriage Family Life Conference, which we just had this past June. Well, this is an offshoot of our Marriage Family Life outreach and ministry and project for our date nights. So you're going to be uh, well, you may not make it necessarily all of these. I actually may be going to one or two of these. But these date nights are, we're having three of them across mainly the southeast. Tell us about where these are going to be. Yes, we're going to have one that's in Hattiesburg, but. What, what, what? Hattiesburg, the, Hattiesburg where? Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Thank you. <laughs> the problem with Hattiesburg, Mississippi is you can't come to it anymore because we're full. Oh, okay. So, so you really shouldn't have mentioned it. Now no, it's just like a tease. No, but why, the reason I mention it is because our audience needs to know if I, the next two that I mentioned, if you're close by, you need to sign up because there is a cap, and not and it's not a COVID cap. It's because they, there's only so many seats in the room. And the next one that we're going to go to is in Jackson, Tennessee. Jackson, Tennessee on September the 20, 20th. I believe that 21st. is. first. Well, I think we're going to have to adjust that okay. date because the location we did have won't um, won't fit for that date. So September twentieth, September twentieth, and then November 9th in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, and also, too, I would recommend and and we'll, we'll remind you these as we get closer to time. But go check out afa.net/events because we will update you at the locations we'll be to we'll be coming to this fall. Mm-hmm. And um, on the September twentieth in the Jackson, Tennessee location and the Little Rock, Arkansas location. Those details of the venue is yet to be determined, so okay. we'll update you as, as closer as, as closer we get there. Mickey and Will Addison will be your keynote speaker. I myself will be the MC. I'll try to provide some comic relief and keep the night flowing. We're going to have a lot of fun. We'll have a game show for the married couples, and then we'll uh, end it with a Q&A. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Good work. So there you have it. That's our Marriage Family Life date nights coming up. Jackson, Tennessee, September 20th, and Little Rock, Arkansas, November 9. AFA.net forward slash events is the URL. Thanks, Wes. Hey, I enjoyed it. Thanks Next for having me Next time, bring on. me some coffee. I will. And we'll be good to go. Bring you some ice coffee. <laughs> All right, AFA at the core, folks. We'll be back in a few minutes. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. AFA Excellence. Announcing AFA.net slash connect. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at AFA.net slash connect. 
You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch to you can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. What's in a name? In 2 Chronicles 7.14, when God states, My name, He elevates the importance and seriousness of His name. When we proclaim we are Christians, we announce our kinship of Christ and our devotion to the one and only God. God looks to believers on whether or not He will usher in revival across our land. The seedbed for revival must be fertile ground where Christians seek not to be first but to be last. Seek not to be served but to serve. Seek not to be famous but to be faithful. And don't stand tall in our own strength but are on our faces before our holy God, crying out for Him to heal our land. It's in His name and in His time and in His way that our land will explode into revival. Let's ask Him for revival for His name's sake. I'm Bob Vanderplatz, President of the Family Leader from Iowa for OneCry.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show, AFA at the Core. I'm Walker Wildman. This is our last segment here of AFA at the Core for today. Uh, our resource of the week, uh, we usually bring in a resource. I try to at least each week. Our resource of the week is a biblical response to critical race theory by our very own Mickey Addison, co-host of Airing the Addisons here on the network that airs after my show, actually. Well, Mickey did a great job uh, talking about critical race theory from a biblical perspective. What should the Christian's response be? What should a Christian's view be of uh, critical race theory? We're hearing that term being thrown around a lot in our public education systems, in our government, and across the country, and even in churches it's being discussed. So we need to make sure that we know how to look at this, how to analyze it from a biblical perspective. So that's what you can get from our resource center, resources.afa.net is where you can order this, resources.afa.net from our resource center. So get that, uh, watch it with your family, with your small group, church, however you want to use it uh, as you see fit uh, to help equip the body of Christ with the issues of our day. That's what that video will do as it relates to critical race theory. The uh, Today is my uh, my weekly flashback Tuesday. And uh, it didn't take me long to dig this one up. Uh, This is the former president, George W. Bush. Ironically, uh, this is in 2001. And, you know, I I joke about—I don't joke. Sometimes I I talk about our leaders and how inept they are, and they don't know what they're doing. And if they do know what they're doing, they're doing the bad—the wrong thing. Um, But this is—folks, this this is 
Um, this is a tragedy. Uh, what our country has done, the way our leaders have handled this, is a tragedy. Um, and so I know sometimes I talk about this, and I, I'm a little cynical at times because um, the way the terrible decisions our leaders make just seems seems to have have a never never ending point. But this is a George W. Bush in 2001 saying that the Taliban is coming to an end. Clip nine. Let's listen. Thanks to our military and our allies and the brave fighters of Afghanistan, the Taliban regime is coming to an end. Yet our responsibilities to the people of Afghanistan have not ended. We work for a new era of human rights and human dignity in that country. There you have it. Flashback Tuesday, President George W. Bush in 2001 uh, saying that the Taliban regime has come is coming to an end um, and that there's going to be established human rights in Afghanistan. And here we are uh, 20 years later, and it's it's turned into an absolute disaster. Well, he's not the only one to uh, to have talked about this in the past. Uh, this is a clip I pulled, I found of Senator Joe Biden, then Senator, now our president, uh, because I wanted to go back and see well, how have these how have these guys talked about this in the past. What's their what's been their historical view of Afghanistan? Well, I've got two clips here. I'm going to play, but first we're going to play clip six here. This is Senator Joe Biden. In 2002, visiting Kabul, Afghanistan, clip six. Let's listen. It seems it seems to me the government cannot be in enough control yet. Um, they're they're exceeding expectations, but um, it is not realistic. I mean, the 22nd is the next is the next drop dead point here. No pun intended. Um, and uh, and then we're going to talk in about uh, two years um, between of an interim government to uh, have an elected government here. And in that time, it seems to me that we have to bring some stability here by a multinational force uh, that is able, allows the government to be in a position to be able to exercise some authority. But we're just, this, this is pretty early in the process. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I think you're going to see some glitches between here and there. Well, the flashback clip of President Bush says the Taliban regime is coming to an end, speaking as if it's coming to an end very soon, back in 2001. Well, that's Senator Joe Biden the next year in 2002 saying we're far from having a stable country. Stability is not here yet. We need more stability before we talk about how we're going to leave Afghanistan. And it's, it's, it makes you wonder, at any point, can our, can our leaders ever, ever, ever admit to themselves that their strategies do not work? It would be so refreshing without waiting 20 years for maybe even a couple years in for our government to go to look at the situation on the ground and say to themselves, guys, this is not working. This is not working, so figure out what we need to do to make it work. And instead of doing that and coming to the realization that America cannot export democracy to the Middle East to an Islamic country and establish a little America uh, until they come to that realization. Instead of that, they continue to dig their heels in and say, we need to spend more time, more blood, and more money to build democracy in Afghanistan. And to me, that's the most shameful part of it. 
is that knowing having the experts in, having the foreign policy experts in, they all dug in their heels and kept doing what they knew wasn't working, and they did it for 20 years. Uh, absolutely, absolutely astonishing. Well, this is another clip here, another flashback from 2014, though, instead. This is Joe Biden as the vice president debating. Uh, well, that's another clip I actually watched today. This is 2014, so not during a presidential cycle. Um, I did, by the way, watch another clip of the vice president uh, debating Paul Ryan in a vice presidential debate. Uh, and they were talking about Joe Biden as VP was talking about how we're getting out of Afghanistan in 2014. Well, this is my bad guys audience. This is actually that clip. Um, he's, he's talking in 2012. This is Vice President Biden about getting out in 2014. Clip five. Let's listen. It is the responsibility of the Afghans to take care of their own security. We have trained over 315,000, mostly without incident. There have been more than two dozen cases of green on blue where Americans have been killed. If we do not, if the, if the measures the military has taken do not take hold, we will not go on joint patrols. We will not train in the field. We'll only train in the, uh, in the army bases that exist there. But we are leaving. We are leaving in 2014. Period. And in the process, we're going to be saving over the next 10 years another $800 billion. We've been in this war for over a decade. The obje primary objective is almost completed. Now all we're doing is putting the Kabul government in a position to be able to maintain their own security. It's their responsibility, not America's. Well, that's uh, Vice President Joe Biden in 2012 at a debate with Paul Ryan, the congressman. I'm saying we're getting out in 2015 definitively. He actually repeated it again later on the clip, uh, later on in the debate, rather. He said, we are getting out in 2014. We are leaving Afghanistan in 2014. He went on. The moderator ended up kind of pushing back on him, saying, how can you give these definitive deadlines? He said, because I can. We're getting out. He said, we have to set deadlines. We, he sounded like Donald Trump. He said, we have to set deadlines. we got to get out of Afghanistan. That was then Vice President uh, Joe Biden in 2012. And I think, let me reiterate this, what I said yesterday. Um, it, it's really, and I saw this statement on Twitter and it, it resonated, simple. It's not that we left, it's how we left. And I think that's, that, that sums it up perfectly because the, the consensus in America, for the most part, the political elites and the uh, military establishment, they wanted to stay there until Jesus comes back. Quite literally, I'm not being sarcastic. Um, but uh, many people, at least Americans, and, and some elected officials, President Biden said, we need to get out. Let's get out. I'm in favor of getting out. President Trump, let's get out of Afghanistan. But it's how we got out. It was an absolute disaster the past few days. Uh, now, now we have reports of hundreds, if not thousands, of American citizens uh, stuck in Afghanistan with no way to get out, um, and more um, Afghan uh, allies, meaning uh, military members, translators, who also are having trouble getting out. So uh, it's not that we left Afghanistan, it's how we left Afghanistan um, and how it's turned into an absolute embarrassment. Speaking of an embarrassment, this is the last clip we'll play on this topic today. This is uh, General, uh, Pentagon General Hank Taylor, holding a press conference yesterday. And, folks, if you thought 
President Biden didn't know what he was doing. This fellow didn't know what he's doing either. Um, and he quite literally says that. Uh, a reporter questions the general on what 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 is the American military strategy to keep the Taliban from either using or selling American-made military equipment that is sitting at these massive air military bases that were supposed to be run by the Afghan military. Now the Taliban is running it. What are you going to do, General? What's the Pentagon going to do to make sure those Black Hawk helicopters and the drones and the missiles and the guns don't get into the hands of the Taliban or Iran or other countries? Clip one. Let's listen. General, has the U.S. military conducted any airstrikes today or in the last 24 hours or so? And also, there have been some reports of Afghan pilots flying their aircraft into other countries. Is that happening? And is the U.S. taking any other sort of steps to prevent aircraft or other military equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban? First on the uh, first question on the strikes. Um, no, no strikes have been conducted in the last uh, 24 hours. but. Uh, the commander on the ground continues uh, to maintain that capability if required uh, to do so. Uh, the commander has the assets uh, that are available uh, there at HKI and in support uh, from other areas of, of the region. Um, I, I don't have information on the uh, your second part of the question, uh, but uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, so there's no U.S. actions being taken to prevent equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban by destroying it or anything else? I don't have the, that answer to that question. You don't have the answer. Wow. Bobby, um, it's, this is, I didn't think I'd be listening to this. It's laughable. This is, this is the, pen, the, pen, the top guys at the Pentagon. It's 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 absolutely unforgivable to, for a, I think he's a at least a th- two star, probably a three star, addressing reporters with the obvious questions that every reporter would want to ask in that room. What are you going to do with all of the military assets that have been laying around at all these forward operating bases at Balad Air Base? You, you know, you name. You have some huge operations in Afghanistan. What are you going to do with these assets? Most of the assets can be flown out and they've probably already done so, mm-hmm. but you've got, you've got helicopters, you've got any number of anti-aircraft uh, weapons and things that the Taliban drones. can use. I've seen pictures of yep, drones. Drones. Uh, it, that's just high value, extremely sensitive assets. Uh, some of the nature of the instrumentation and capabilities of the drones alone uh, in the wrong hands is just absolutely uh, unforgivable in my mind. Yeah, and you look at, um, at what, what the potential to go wrong here, that this is beyond what's already gone wrong. Um, you know, you've got two things that could happen here. Theoretically, you could have the Taliban sell these weapons to China or Iran uh, for intelligence measures so they can open the equipment up and see, well, how does Lockheed Martin build whatever they build, the weapons? Uh, how do these? How does America build their weapons? What's inside of it? What kind of vulnerabilities are there? So you've got that front, which is actually very likely. It's probably happening now. But then you have the front of what if, like, Iran comes in and trains the Taliban on how to use these things, which is also a possibility. You've got a lot of possibilities here, and they're not very good. So we have... Um, American-funded, American-made in many circumstances, uh, weapons sitting in the hands of the Taliban now, 
uh, which creates it's it's almost a self-fulfilled crisis, a uh, self-created crisis, considering that we put those weapons there uh, in the hands of the Taliban. So this is, you know, I don't know who's going to have to answer for this. I think, as the president said himself yesterday, the buck stops at the White House in the uh, in the Oval Office. But uh, this is like, this is a colossal failure. This is not like a, a an uh-oh you know, of smaller proportions, what happened there? And, and I want to know this, the commander there, the general just said that, uh, they haven't conducted any airstrikes in the last 24 hours. That was a press conference yesterday. Well, I want to know, like, did, did our air force and our intelligence see the Taliban advancing on Kabul from satellites and drones? And we just said, let them go. Absolutely. They did. Yeah, because Absolutely. it's not we're not dumb. We're not a dumb country when I talk about our intelligence. Um, our intelligence, and, and the reports are that the intelligence agencies warned the Biden administration multiple times that this would happen, meaning the Taliban would advance and they would advance quickly on these major Afghanistan c- cities. So we need to know, because that, that's, that's uh, if it comes out, I'm not saying we go back in Afghanistan and go to war again, but I'm saying if we could have made airstrikes that at least hindered the Taliban to allow American assets, American citizens, and and Afghan allies to get to the Kabul airport to get on a plane in a peaceful manner, if we could have done that and we didn't for the sake of offending the Taliban, um, that is near criminal if it's not criminal. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.